Hello and welcome to Resourceful, stories from the site, proudly brought to you by Resources Unearthed. At Resources Unearthed, we help executives, professionals and business owners in mining and resources to be successful both personally and professionally. We've created this podcast to help you in your employment or business, and we'll be chatting to people who have a proven track record of success in the industry. Thanks for joining us. Environmental impact and sustainability are thankfully terms that are now commonplace within the mining and resources sectors. Along with it comes the people who are giving their all to conceive and uphold eco-policies in an effort to address the current climate crisis. One such person is our guest today, Brenda Cusick. Her bachelor's degree in environmental sciences was obtained some 35 years ago in Alberta, Canada, in a time where green thinking was seldom emphasised. This meant the job market was somewhat unappealing. Being a resilient agent of Mother Nature, Brenda adapted dynamically and seized numerous opportunities to transition from her origins in the Canadian federal government to secure a private industry role as a sustainability professional. She assists companies within the mining and resources sector to align with sustainability practices. Hi, my name is Brett Cribb, Managing Director and Founder of Resources Unearthed, and welcome to Resourceful Stories from the Site. Today, I'm joined by Brenda Kuzuk. I've known Brenda for about five years. However, experience in the industry extends far beyond that. With almost 23 years of experience, Brenda's worked around the world in environment, strategy, and sustainability, both as an employee and as a consultant in her own company. Brenda's experience in the industry will be quite unique compared to some of our previous guests. So wherever you are, sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of Resourceful with some of Brenda's most memorable stories from the site. Welcome, Brenda, and thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. So to start with, Brenda, could you tell us a bit about how you got started in mining and resources? It's a bit of a long story. I'm Canadian born in the northern part of Alberta. And so um, my husband and I, when newly married, headed to the northern part of Canada to pursue employment. You know, graduated from university and went, um, both of us, in environmental science. And, you know, that was probably 35 years ago. And then no one was hiring environmental people to do anything or if we did we were doing six month jobs one after another looking always looking for the next contract and so we decided after getting married that we would head north and uh, we ended up working for the federal government in the northwest territories and it was the best decision we ever made because the competition for jobs is much less perhaps But we got to do work that we probably would never have been given the opportunity to do had we stayed in southern parts of Canada where, you know, you, the competition is much greater and the skill set's much more specific. So we just had the opportunity to be exposed to everything from business development through water resources management, through uh, stakeholder engagement, indigenous relations, everything. And so... Yeah, so we moved north in 1990, and then both of us started working for the federal government. We moved to Yellowknife in uh, 1992 with a brand new baby, and I was fortunate enough to get a job working for the Department of Indian Affairs. And my job was was working on environmental and socioeconomic impact assessment for the mining industry. So, so coordinating the federal review after a little bit of time, of course. 
coordinated or uh, worked with all of the other federal departments to review the, actually the BHP Acadie Diamond Mine. And yeah, it was the most amazing experience because we got exposed to, you know, everything from fisheries through all the indigenous issues associated with mining in a pristine environment and all those sorts of things. And from there, it was an interesting story because we, we both of us, Murray and I were both working for the federal government at that time and it was time for our second child. <laughs> and so I went on maternity leave and uh, Murray actually took over my job as the manager of environment conservation for Indian and Northern Affairs. And then after that, when I came back to work, he was recruited by Rio Tinto to manage the Divic environmental impact assessment for the mine for Rio Tinto for the diamond mine to be started for Rio Tinto. So it was really just uh, one opportunity after another that just happened to present itself when we were ready. And we just said, sure, you know, why not? Because we're committed to living in the North and really went to industry with the intent of, instead of being a regulator, going to industry and working with industry to do the right thing, whether it was from uh, community perspective or in relation to the environment or whatever. So it was really that, you know, as young sort of, uh, um, yeah, 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 we sort of went, okay, well, we know what to do as a regulator. Let's learn about how hard it is to actually deliver on those sorts of things from a, from the industry perspective. Like it's much easier to say, do this than it is to do it. Yeah. So, so it was really, let's get involved, um, in the resources industry and, and help actually do the right thing, design to minimize environmental impact, ensure that, you know, where the development happens, you actually share the benefits with the local communities and things like that. And so, so yeah, so that's basically how it happened. And so that was, yeah, is it 23 years ago? Oh my gosh. Somewhere around that, yeah, Yeah. on the sound of things. Yeah, so I think think Murray actually started with Rio Tinto, it was like 1996 or something, June. And yeah. I started, and there was there were six people, and I started a few months later, and there were twelve when I started, and when we left, there was over three thousand. So it was pretty pretty amazing experience for us. Yeah, so it's interesting the connections. You know, Yellowknife, um, the resource industry is not a big. It's a big industry, but the people we meet and where we all end up, and thinking about how you progressed mm-hmm. to where you are now. Can you think about the skill sets that you've developed along that process and what you found useful or what, what you've sort of learned from that? Or I started in environmental sciences, graduated from university. Well, I went to a technical institute first and got some sort of hands-on experience and then went to university. And then because we were at a time when the environment wasn't as important as the bottom line, the single bottom line, or I was sort of forced to learn other things. And so did some studied, you know, business development and community development and stakeholder engagement and things like that. And always looking for opportunities to develop or expand that skill set because, you know, it really was, we need to find a way to make a living and have a little bit more stability than, you know, a new job every six months. And so, so it really was, you know, looking for opportunities to 
put your hand up and say, well, I might not have that experience, but I'll do whatever it takes to learn what I need to do to do that next job or do this job. And so the combination of environment or environmental study, as well as the economic development and the impacts, the spin-off impacts of development in communities evolved to be environmental impact and socioeconomic impact assessment for me. And so I did some extra study in that and the combination with you know, just learning about basic business development and the things that people need to put in place to, to support small business and communities. So yeah, it's really just been uh, whenever there's been an opportunity to do something new or to, to supplement what I already knew, it was like, yeah, I'll do that. I'll figure it out. I'll find somebody who knows how to do it and um, learn it. So, so it really was this evolution from a focus on the environment through a focus on just just what happens when there's a development somewhere and what are all those impacts that are associated with putting whether it's resources or even just changing the way a community operates what are the impacts associated with that change and how do we mitigate it so that everyone's happy that it can be profitable so that people aren't adversely impacted and the environment is protected because you know it is that whole sustainability story that we can have development and do it so that it minimizes any adverse or long-term adverse impacts. So perhaps then if you consider something in this line and that <laughs> if you were speaking to yourself 15 or 20 years ago, or maybe even longer, we won't go there, but <laughs> what advice would you give to your, to your younger self? Take every opportunity. I don't know, I heard someone say there's no bigger regret than wasted time or a, a missed opportunity take opportunity like don't be scared to sort of step out of your comfort zone and do something new put your hand up anytime someone's looking for something to do or someone to do something put your hand up say i'll i'll do that yep i'll step up you know really use the people around you to learn whatever you can from them every job is not about what it is you're doing it's about how you do it and how you how you relate to all the people around you and what they are doing as well so, you know, don't just take a job for money, take a job for what you can learn from it, what you can gain in terms of extra skills or new skills, and whether it's just how to relate to people differently or different people in different environments. Yeah, it's really just take opportunity. Like, And you know what? The best decision we ever made was move north, go someplace where you can do everything so that you're not pigeonholed into one thing like whether you're an HR professional or whether you're a geologist or whether you're whatever you are just go someplace where there aren't a lot of those kind of people and just take opportunity to do something different and yeah. new and yeah when I started in Mount Isa those sorts of things that <laughs> that's right it's, uh, you know a, far, yeah. a big step you make when you move from a capital city somewhere to yeah. the way you've spent your life and then going somewhere else but it's it's well worth taking well, and, and you know, it really, it really helps develop who you are and what you're made of, you know, like if you stay where you were born, the tendency is to develop a little bit of a safety net and not really stretch yourself. Go someplace where you don't know anything or where you don't know anyone and it forces you to, to do it. If you live next door to your, to your parents, well, guess what? You'll still call them and go, <laughs> you know, <Yeah>, can <laughs> I, <clears throat> what do you think I should do? Right. Yeah, but yeah. if you're, but if you're 5,000 kilometers away, it's a little more difficult to do that. You're sort of forced to rely on your own 
capability and and or your partner whoever you're with just forces you to to do things yeah or, on talk, your own. To our, or talk to other people yeah or talk to the people to. that are, are around you and learn yeah so don't be scared to just just try something and if it's not for you don't be scared to stop and change as well like so so many people you see continuing just to do what they've been doing hating every minute like just change time goes no matter what you're doing so you might as well be doing something you like and and make a difference yeah so we talked a little bit about your working career around um, working with indigenous groups and indigenous corporations around the around the place is there more you'd like to tell us about or what you've experienced around the world focusing on business sustainability or anything in that area around dealing with indigenous corporations or people can you tell us about where it's taken you or what you've done in that area yeah sure I mean mostly it's been in Canada and and Australia of course and it's really been with a focus on helping the indigenous communities leverage resource development so it's helping them to sort of prepare their own businesses so that they can maximize you know the benefit that flows from resource development so whether it's oil and gas or mining in the past the indigenous communities haven't really had the opportunity to develop that business capability that focuses on whether it's providing services or whether it's actually delivering something specific for a mining company or maybe it's just employment resources provision to the resources industry whatever it is there hasn't traditionally been all that many opportunities so i've tried to work with the communities indigenous corporations as well to develop that capability to meet the pre-qualification standards that are often or more i shouldn't say often always uh, put in place by resources companies to deliver on contracts or whatever it is so so helping them to understand what those pre-qualifications are so that actually they're enabled to to make tender submissions or whatever it is so it really is has been an education process and i just encourage that resource companies need to continue to to recognize that there there's opportunity in the indigenous communities to to develop their capability and by adding that that layer of whatever you you want to call it it's just a, a different way of thinking to how the resource company delivers their um, business it just is uh, important to recognize that Indigenous communities have a lot to offer, and but they need help to understand the way to deliver it to meet the standards or the requirements of the, of the company that's wanting to uh, engage the services. Interesting. So, yeah, it's like what you're saying is that they need to be able to understand the requirements so that they could potentially be able to deliver to them and then mm. help them get to that stage where they yeah. can deliver to them. Yeah, because there's, there's lots of potential, but it's there's like a division between two worlds and they just need to come together and develop an understanding on both sides to, to um, you know leverage what's there. So you've lived and worked in some really interesting places around the world, like Mongolia recently and, and Yellowknife, while Murray's been also an expat in that in, in the industry the same thing and on top of that you've also your daughters here in Brisbane you know how have you found living as an expat family and are there any strategic strategies that you've used as a family to make it easier yeah I don't know I mean I guess the best piece of advice is 
know what you're getting into, understand the climate, understand the, um, you know, potential isolation that you might be faced with and be prepared to say, you know what, this isn't for us and we have to go because you see too many families break up mm-hmm. and yeah, it's just not, it's just not worth it. So, so yeah, just, just understand what you're getting into and be prepared to say it's not, not it's not yeah. working. We, mm-hmm. we have to, we have to go. So, but that said for us has been an absolute amazing experience you know, it's been the best thing that we've ever done. You, you need to look at it, go in with a positive attitude and look for everything that's different. The worst thing you can do is say, oh, it's not like this in Australia. Well, of course, if you're not in Australia, it's not going to be like that. So expect that it's going to be different and actually embrace it and take every opportunity to do stuff, understand the community. You just embrace what there is. Like Mongolia is, a, is such an amazing place. There's lots of things that you go, (laughs) well, I'm only here for three years, (laughs) thankfully. But, uh, you know, there's so much of it that you can just take away and and just like the the memories are, will be priceless, you know. So go in with a positive attitude no matter where you go and just embrace what's different about it. If it was the same, why bother being away from your family and friends and and all your support network? So, So, yeah, be positive, embrace it look for every opportunity to see the country, to understand the people. Most people never get an opportunity to do what we've been able to do. And we're just feel so fortunate to, you know, have had, um, yeah, have, you know, a place like Mongolia, it's a hard place to live, but it's also amazing, like from a cultural and the people are, are warm and inviting and all those things. And so, yeah, you just have to, to make it work for you. But again, you know, it's not for everyone. So you've also worked in the environmental sector of mining and resources for a number of years now. Can you talk to us about what kind of changes you've seen? I know we've highlighted some of them in the industry and its practices and any predictions you might have for the future? Well, I think I I, um, alluded a little bit to the changes I've seen. Obviously in the beginning, the environmental and socioeconomic impacts were not that important to the decisions to proceed with a, with a project, as an example. It was more about the economic outcomes for the company, really. And that certainly has changed. And I think the engagement of communities and people and anyone who could be potentially impacted by a project has become more and more important in ensuring that there's a, you know, an understanding of how to ensure that the benefits associated with resource development is is shared and um, the people who are most impacted actually get the best most benefit mm-hmm. over the long term so the whole evolution of sustainable development and the whole idea of sustainability of development in in general has evolved significantly you know and i think the resources industry is actually out there on the forefront you know companies like bhp and rio tinto and and others are making a difference we can't have development and continued prosperity without without resources and so it's how ensuring that how we develop those you know are done in a way that doesn't create long-term unsustainable situations where communities are adversely impacted and end up you know, worse off than when they started. So yeah, I mean, I, I definitely see 
you know, a recognition of climate change and what's and what's going on. And and again, the resources industry is a necessary contributor to actually us being able to meet those goals of sustainability or, you know, yeah. so it is really amazing. And we've been privileged to be actually involved in changing some of that for, for a few companies about how yeah. they think about, uh, you know, what's important. So yeah, I mean, I think there's more changes to come, um, but it's all positive. Any ideas for the future? What uh, predictions for the future on that, in that field? What, uh, any, anything you think that'd be ideal world sort of things or? I think that obviously, an ideal world would be a world where there is no poverty and there everyone has is healthy and happy yeah. and all those sorts of things but in terms of the resource industry i mean i think i think it is about ensuring that how resources the non-renewable resources are um mined is done in a way that ensures that that people in the environment are protected mm. and i think in particular, the companies that I've been privileged to work for, they're doing that. There's no way to avoid all things associated with, you know, digging holes in the ground and that's taking right. stuff. But it is about ensuring that then that's all minimized and that the communities, you know, benefit. So that whether there's jobs or business opportunities or education or improved health care or a change in the way they think about, you know, safety, as an example, I think all of those things are positive change that we've been, you know, in, involved in um, making. Uh, yeah, so I think, you know, obviously there's a long way to go, but but we can't have a world without minerals, yeah. without resources. Yeah, we're sitting here with our copper <laughs> yeah. wire in the office. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's that's right. So yeah, it's interesting. It's certainly what I've seen um, through the industry, and you made the comment early that. It's easy to say something, but it's not easy to do it. It's easy to talk environmental, but it's it's harder to do it. And from what I see from people working in the industry and my experiences was that the majority of people in the mining and resources industry are there working their guts out to try and make that impact and make the environmental impact and the sustainability impact and make it all work for people. and. Um, it's not easy to do it, but it, but they're working on it and they spend a lot of time on it, and a lot more than most of us in the city ever ever do, thinking about what we do when we drive our car around or sit in our air conditioning like last night with the humidity <laughs> and all those sorts of things. So it's interesting. So, uh, you know, I'll finish off with my last question, Brenda, because I think we're probably wrapping it up with time. But what's your most memorable story or funniest story from the site? I don't know if it's necessarily a story other than you know, being able to be involved in projects that, that have the opportunity to actually impact the lives of people or change the way a country actually does things. So working in Mongolia, as an example, has just been just an amazing opportunity. It's changing the way the country is and it has the potential to, to be the, change the future for that country. And so, you know, working where we've been able to, or I've been able to help the people I was working with understand or learn how to do my job essentially so they could continue it so that you leave this legacy behind of skills has just been been amazing that you know having had that opportunity is like yeah I just feel so fortunate and seeing how grateful they are 
to having the opportunity to work with whether it's Australian companies or anyone else just to learn the skills they need to be successful in their own right in their own country is pretty cool so um, yeah for me that's the most most memorable or most important is just having that opportunity to contribute to the future of a country is, is pretty amazing. So, well, thanks, Brenda, for joining us today and for sharing your perspective on the industry, particularly your experiences and the environmental side and Indigenous side and life as an expat. It's been great to have you here and I thank you so much for sharing your stories. So for those who are listening, if you'd like to speak to Brenda, you're more than welcome to connect with her on LinkedIn and you'll find information available on our podcast page on Resource Unearthed. Thanks again, Brenda. You're more than welcome. Thanks for listening to this episode of Resourceful, Stories from the Site. We'll be back in a month with more tips and insight from our other industry leaders. We'd love to connect with you. You can find us on all the usual social channels and our website, resourcesunearthed.com.au. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast on your favourite platform so you never miss an episode.